This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. Yeah. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Brick layers and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door's supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ball Hawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amaya Hawkins. I appreciate you taking time out today to listen to the latest podcast episode from the show. Today, we will be... Previewing the University of Virginia Cavaliers versus the Liberty Flames this Saturday at noon. It is Military Appreciation Day. So make sure you come on out. It's going to be a cold and wet one. And I also know that our basketball team is playing at the same time out of town. So if you are in town, well, look, it's football season. Come support the football team because you're going to have plenty of basketball games to go to. But no shade at Coach Bennett and them boys are defending national champs. Before we get started in today's episode, it is sponsored by Able Insurance. Able Insurance service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years. They offer home, business, auto, and life insurance. If you need any insurance and you want to get a package all in one for a great rate here in the state of Virginia, holler at Billy and Charlene White. Go to ableinsurance.net and tell them that the Ballhawks sent you. And speaking of basketball, go to sthujuice.com and get your redemption shirts. That is my Salute to the basketball team for their national championship. Good quality shirts is often in blue and often in white right there on the site. And you can also get your Petty Hawk shirts, your Be Great shirts, or just your plain old Shut the Hell Up Juice shirts. And I have the kid-friendly silent edition with just the logo, no S-T-H-U juice, just the logo available on the site. And go to myhawkins.com so you can get all the latest Walkthrough episodes, the bonus episodes as well. This week's uh, guest slash host was the All-American Bryce Hall, who not only renamed my show, but also became the host and made me the interviewee. So go to myhogans.com. And the walkthrough is also sponsored by Able Insurance. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. The Wahoos had a bye week, come off a victory versus Georgia Tech in which People didn't think it was as impressive, and they are kind of worried because of the injuries in the secondary and because the Liberty Flames have one of the more uh, legit passing games on paper in the NCAA. You know, you got to look at stats. You got to respect what the stats show, and they have a top flight receiver in Gandy Golden, who's averaging 124 yards a game on the Belitnikoff list. 
The dude just having a phenomenal season. 64 catches, 1,244 yards and eight touchdowns. And then Calvert, their quarterback, almost 3,000 yards passing, 23 touchdowns to just three interceptions. The three interceptions is very significant because if I'm not recall last year when we played Liberty, he threw three interceptions in that game alone. So that's just demonstrating he corrected his wrong. And if we look at last year's game, uh, the Hoos won by a score of 45 to 24, but at halftime it was only 24 to 17. And then the Wahoos outscored the Flames by a score of 21 to 7. Last year, um, Louisville ran for 205 yards, while UVA ran for 221 yards. Did I say Louisville? I mean Liberty. <laughs> Oh, boy. And Liberty passed for 149 yards and UVA passed for 168. So it was a running game affair. And when you look back at the rushing, Jordan Ellis led the way with 106 yards and Bryce Perkins had 89 yards. And on the ground for them, Peyton Pickett had 117 yards and Hickson had 93 yards. And Hickson is back and he has 637 yards rushing and seven touchdowns on the season. And Liberty was one of the few teams that had a 1,000, um, what is a 3,000 yard passer, a 1,000 yard receiver, and a 1,000 yard rusher. So we know their offense is their strong suit. So when you look at the team comparisons, Liberty is six and four. They're scoring offense, they average 32.8 points a game. They have the nod because UVA only averages 31 points a game. Rushing offense, Liberty averages 142 yards rushing to UVA's 113. Passing yards, Liberty averages 300 yards to UVA's 255. Total offense, they average 443. We average 369. Time of possession, we average 33 minutes a game. With the possession, they average 27 minutes a game. Flip to scoring defense, UVA has the edge. In scoring defense, 22 points to 26. Rushing defense, UVA yields 122 yards rushing. Liberty yields 193 yards rushing on the ground. UVA yields 193 yards through the air, while Liberty gives up 231 yards in the air. Total defense, Liberty gives up 424 yards on defense. They gain 443. UVA gives up. 316 yards a game and they're in our offense gains 369 yards a game sacks 3.4 to their 2.8 uh turnover margin they're plus 0.3 and we're minus 0.5 kickoff returns we average 30 yards they average 22 so um just everybody understands that this is one of the last two games of the year, and we're not going to talk about the last game of the year. We're going to focus on Liberty because they deserve that respect. Anybody that's a Division I team is going to earn your respect when you have some question marks, right? Now, if UVA was full strength, no major injuries to Brent Nelson or uh, Bryce Perkins, we can all agree that it would be little worries if the offense was playing like it was now because we know that the defense clicks with both of those two gentlemen in the secondary. So when you have some uncertainties in the secondary and then you look at Liberty on film, Liberty runs the same offensive scheme, similar 
same tendencies as North Carolina. So when I say they run the same offensive scheme as North Carolina, people are going to think about the North Carolina game. And what did we see in the North Carolina game? They were very well balanced. They lived off the big plays. They isolated our corners on the island. The, re, the RPO look, everything North Carolina did, Liberty does the same thing. They don't have the same personnel. I don't know if their receivers are as explosive, but they will get open down the field. Gandy Golden averages 19 yards per catch. Think about that for a minute. He has 1,200 yards receiving. He averages 19 yards a catch. Now, I think he's a better receiver when you're off and you allow him to run and find space, meaning he's a big body, six foot four, 220 pounds. When you play zone, he eats you up because of that big body. He just shields you off, similar to Hasis. Um, it's going to be times when we're going to have to come up and challenge him at the line of scrimmage to make him uncomfortable or just to make him show that he can beat us vertically down the field. You know, you don't want to run the risk to see if he can get behind you by playing man to man, but you have to time, at times come and challenge a great receiver to throw out the time with the quarterback. Their quarterback is good. I, I like what I see with him. He's decisive. Priest not read. He can understand what defenses are trying to do. He's going to remain in the pocket. He's a classic uh, pocket passer. He has a little, of a little bit of a wind-up. So if he's really trying to get the ball to the opposite hash on a timing route, he's going to really step into it and he's going to wind up. So he'll give you a half a second to actually get to him versus a quarterback that has a naturally quick release. There are some throws he will make quick with his seam routes, whether it's bubbles, anything that's asked for him to make a quick throw, he can do that. He will just shoot it out there. But when he's really trying to be accurate in his extended intermediate windows, he's going to really step in and wind up. So it's going to come out a little, it's going to take a little longer to come out of his hand, but it it comes out of his hand. Like it has a lot of velocity on there. Um, but when you look at Liberty, you got to, it's like you got to pick your poison. In the perfect world, what you hope our defense can do is drop guys in coverage and allow our front five and six, mostly five, to defeat their five. You know, I know they got five blockers, but majority of the time they're going to pull somebody. Somebody's going to be scraping off the back end so they can get to the next level up to the linebacker. And when they do the RPO look, it's one of the things that does Calvert really want to run. You know, if you keep diving in and taking the back, is he a willing runner? Now, he may pull it and he may – you know, create some some plays with his legs initially and people like, damn, we, we can't keep giving that up. But at the same time, it's like if somebody's not used to really running, will they continue to pull or is it even a call? You know, does he have the option to pull it? Like if he count that it's five in the box and at the snap of the ball, we send somebody extra. Is he going to pull it? Or is he automatically just going to give it to the running back? It's like you you may have to just say, hey, Liberty, we're going to make you run the ball. We feel like our front five can make you run the football. Now, the, the good thing about Liberty that they have on us as far as why, they're going to, why they will feel confident is because they played against BYU last year and BYU mimics the defense that we run. I'm not saying that they run the exact same coverages and run the same stunts at the same times that we do at the same formation. But they get they have a grasp of the three four defense for basically three weeks now because they had a bye week as well I believe uh, yeah they had a bye week as well so 
they pretty much been preparing for UVA's defense for three weeks. But the great thing about us is that we went against an offense that's very similar to them in UNC. Maybe it wasn't the last game, but we could revert right back and touch up on the game that really gave us trouble on the back end when you look at the stats and the explosive plays that UNC had. So that's the beauty in the bye week for both teams. Both teams really had a chance to draw back on a previous game plan and have uh, just kind of fine-tune it. Now, when it comes to our offense and what they do defensively, it's a four, it's four down linemen, and they will play, you know, some coverage. They will play man. They will play some combo zones. But they move around, but you can run the ball on them. You definitely can get downhill and run the ball on their defense because at the end of the day, they have a lot of confidence in their offense. They really do. So it's almost going to be – like an arena football game, in my opinion, like the North Carolina game was, is who's going to get timely stops. They have good size on defense. Uh, both of their nose tackles, 6'4", 6'5", respectively, 310 and 15 pounds. Uh, Austin Lewis at defense end, 6'6", 255. Jesse L- Lamore is 6'3", 240. Uh, 22 consecutive starts, 22 career starts. So it's just one of the things that can't even move in space. But then when you get to their backers, they're like safeties. They will linebacker is six foot two ten. His backup is six two two fifteen. They're rover two oh five. So it's it's basically like a, a four two five. And if I'm not mistaken, Georgia Tech ran a four two five. So it's, you know, they're 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 built to they're built for speed. They're they're built to uh, kind of discourage RPOs and and mobile quarterbacks. Um, when you watch the BYU game, you see that their quarterback is running and using his legs. But uh, you know Bryce Perkins is a different dynamic. It's gonna have everybody's gonna game plan differently for Bryce because he's a known explosive runner, back to back, one hundred yard games. Um, so they're gonna be cognizant of where he's at. So it has me to believe that you know. Maybe they will, will, he will be the guy that will be the spy. Now, with that being said, what does that do with the Mike linebacker? Is he going to be put in the coverage, and, and how much can he cover? So the game plan for the offense, I believe, is that you make that linebacker make a decision. We run our own RPOs, but you give it to Tyler Papa, and you let our line line men get to the second level and start putting hats on him because he's not a bigger guy he's going to try to defeat with see if he's going to defeat with speed or defeat with with force see if their will linebacker and their rover when they come in and they take on blockers are they try to beat them with speed meaning they're going to try to get around them or they're going to meet with force and understand that got responsibilities and take the blow this is a game i feel like tyler papa can really get busy and really be the difference maker I really, truly believe looking at the BYU game and seeing them run the inside zones and their back showing very good vision and gashing them in in different um, times of the game, I feel like that can be something that can truly surprise Liberty. Now, if you want to surprise somebody, you have to make sure you can execute at the same level. So we just can't try to run Tyler Papa for the sake of it. We have to make sure that we carry out our assignments and we got to be nasty this week with our run block and we got to finish blocks the offensive line doing a phenomenal job of of creating lanes keeping Bryce 
you know, upright. Now it's time for them to take the next step and be nasty and finish blocks, meaning drive them through the turf, make the ref say, hey, hey, the whistle's blown. Take them all the way to the water cooler on the sideline. Nastiness, savagery. Because I think the more we give it to the Samoan slasher and he start knocking on his helmet because that signifies that he scored a touchdown as a hard knock, that opens everything up. Now, we know Bryce can be featured. We know what he can do with the ball. Everybody in the stadium understands that. But Liberty does not know that Tyler Papa is a very good, capable back that has vision, sudden speed, and quickness, and power. They don't know that. And if there, if there was a way that we can just showcase him and get him going, because at home he's been living in the end zone, and that's a great thing. And then we got to get Hassis Dubois involved. He, you know, it's been three weeks since he caught a pass. It's been since the UNC game three weeks ago was the last time he caught a pass. We got to get him to rock. I know they're going to, you know, focus on Jana. Um, I think Joe Reed can really be a matter problem in the slot as well. I just feel like they're going to play some man, some combo zones. It's going to be up to Bryce Perkins to understand who's rolled up and when they rolled up. Now, I will say this. If we go two, two receivers to a side and we're in quick outs, their corners will jump that slot out and the safety doesn't get off the hash fast. So I would love to see us run a quick error out, pump it to him, make the corner stop his feet. And then we throw it over the top and hit it in that dead zone area, 12 to 14 yards on the sideline, the bottom of the numbers. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. Trust me. We run enough trips and run enough duels. They're going to end up running a, a combo zone to the field to where that corner is going to jump. And they shown they, they are jump inside and you're taught to push the receiver inside if you're going to take the quick out. They won't even collision the receiver. Sometimes if you just go now, they'll think they can just steal it. And all Bryce has to do is just use his eyes. Use his eyes, give a little hint with his shoulders because it could be pointed in the same direction and just throw a little alley-oop, 12 to 14 yards at the bottom of the numbers, close to the sideline, dead zone. The safety's not going to get off the hash. When a receiver catches it, just be ready to put that foot into the ground, cut back on that safety, and strike up the band. And, and I think we can run some mess routes still. Our short passing game, I think, is what they're going to be looking for. So we're going to have to show that we can take shots down the field. But at the same time, just by seeing, seeing the field good, you know, just getting it out quick, allowing our receivers to make a play, the Munskins get in and do what they do. I just feel like offensively we can uh, be very balanced versus Liberty. I feel like we have to be balanced versus Liberty because you're going to have to demonstrate that you can methodically move the ball down the field and use your ground game because that keeps the ball out of their offense's hand. And I know a lot of people have concerns with our defensive backs. So I'll transition to our defense now. Defensively, on the back end, what you see is what you get. Nobody is returning. All we had a chance to do during the bye week we just practice on our craft, understanding what we need to do as far as when calls are made versus certain formations, adjustments we need to make, safeties understanding the strengths of the corners and the corners understanding the strengths of the safeties, where the weakness of the defense is at in certain coverages versus certain formations, and what you need to take away. That's the biggest difference of a sub and a starter. A starter is going to recognize the weakness in the defense. A starter is going to identify what the safety likes, and the safety is going to identify what the starting corner likes. But when a backup comes in, 
the starter doesn't have a lot of reps with a two. We call it twos and ones. And when you have a two that subs in because a one has gotten injured, there's a big difference the way that you are in unison. You don't really understand the speed and the disguising and the the uh, tendencies of your compadre that's next to you. And that's what I've been seeing the most is just uncertainty because guys got to continue to trust what each other sees in each other game. So this bye week allowed them to fully come together and say, hey, look, this is what I like. What are you seeing? And the great thing that Bryce Hall, I think, has been doing, he's been involved with the film study. He's been involved with the game plan and with his, with his fellas. He's just not rehabbing and dissing his, his, himself from the team. He's been involved. So he's been another vocal piece for Coach Nick Howell, who coaches his DB, so he can kind of echo the same sentiments. And it's a little different. It's like when your parent tells you something to do, you don't want to listen. But your favorite auntie or your big cousin will tell you the same thing your parent will tell you, you'll listen to him. And that's what Bryce Hall brings. Not saying they don't listen to Coach Nick Howell, because I think he does a great job of communicating uh, with his players, just seeing the way they respond during the games and being on the sideline and reporting and, and, and seeing the rapport he has with them and when he critiques them and provides constructive criticism and how he challenges them to be great and he tells them he sees much more of them and how they stay in tune. It's just one of those things that when you're a competitor and your defense has been one of the best in the nation and you, you've had the luxury of just telling your corners, line up mano y mano and I'm going to bring the house, and that's taken away from you, you got to demonstrate an inability to adapt. And when you adapt, you're not going to get the same results and things are going to look different. So a lot of folks are like asking me, Ballhawk, are we going to send any more pressure? How come we don't see Snowden around the line of scrimmage or Snowden is not getting in the backfield as much? It's because Snowden has been affected by the injuries on the back end because he's been asked to play coverage because he's very good at using his 6-7 frame and his football IQ to get in the passing lanes and reroute slot receivers and things of that nature. So we're going to have to devise ways to get back to allowing 11 to rush the quarterback. And Noah's been doing a good job as well of playing coverage. All of our backers have been coached up well to where they could be complete football players. And, you know, is Devontae, is he going to play corner? Is he going to play deep safety? Is he going to play nickel? People don't realize how special of a season he's had. And I know he had a rough UNC game when he went to the corner and, and he, he missed some tackles and he, he gave up a touchdown. But so much has been asked of that young man. He's responded and has always been a team player is that he's a jack of all trades. I told you he's Juan Thornhill uh, all over again. A guy that's playing out of position but is athletic enough to just maintain what we need. But when he's a deep safety and he can play, play the middle of the field, center field, that kid, is, that kid is phenomenal, man. He's phenomenal. And Chris Moore has done an exceptional job of, of playing out of his comfort zone. He, he's a more of a box type of safety, but we have a box safety in Joey Blunt. But he wants to be complete. So I don't, don't want to just say he's a box safety, he can't do anything else. His strong suit is coming up and thumping you. That's his strong suit. He's been asked to cover, and he's been doing what he can and what, what, his, you know, what he's able to do. He gave up a touchdown the past two games, but then again, when you look at the ACC and you break down every receiving core, majority of the time, the best receiver is actually in the slot. The majority of the time, especially the teams that we played, the best receiver has been in the slot. And majority of the time, it was because they didn't want to put him out there in front of 34, but it's, you know, even when 34 went down, 
Tutu Atwell was in the slot. Daz Newsom was in the slot, even though uh, other buddy was getting busy. But Daz Newsom is the best receiver for UNC. Georgia Tech's best receiver is in the slot. So, um, yeah, but I, I just think defensively, man, it's just going to be you just got to play chess. Just got to understand what they're trying to do. I, I can see them doing what UNC did, putting Gandy Golden on one side of the field, preferably the wide side of the field, running the inside zone away from him so that if the end or the linebacker starts to crash down on the zone read, the quarterback pulls it and they throw just a shield route to Gandy Golden in the field, one-on-one with one of our corners. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to isolate Gandy Golden on our corners. And preferably, you know, you will want the corner to be up press and just anticipate the go route. Anchor that inside leg. Be very violent with that jab with the left or right hand, depending on what side of the field you're on. But be violent with that inside jab. And once you jab, you elevate the shoulder upwards to get them off balance. And once they sh- he demonstrates he wants an outside release, you shuffle to close space. And then you're you capture that inside hip, and when you capture the inside hip, understand he's 6'4". So you have to overemphasize the type of closing on that hip and look back and know that the back shoulder throw is coming. So when you look back by capturing the inside shoulder, you take that back arm and you box him. It's almost like you cuff him because what happens when DBs look back for the ball, a receiver will give you a little push on your shoulder to slap you by. So if you're getting pushed by your back shoulder to get slapped up the field, if you already armbar with your back arm, it's your emergency break. You grab their hip. So as they're trying to slow down, you're using their hip to slow down. So as he's pushing you, you're pushing his hip up the field. So you're making him drift. And the ref can't see. The ref will see his arm on your shoulder. The ref won't see your hand on his hip because it's low. Anything below the waist, refs really don't see. They're going to see the obvious push in the back of the shoulder, but you can't rely on a passing, offensive pass interference. It's not going to usually be called. So understand when you're checking 11, you make him run out. You make him use the outside release. First of all, we got to see how physical he is. I know he's 6'4", 220, but that doesn't mean he likes physical play. Just because you're big, I've I met a lot of big receivers that don't like you being physical with them. They expect their size to intimidate you. You got man corners and you got zone, I mean man receivers and zone receivers. We got to see which one that he is. 124 yards a game, you got to make him earn his keep. And then if he's showing you that he can get off the jam, then you start to run some road coverage and you start to attack the quarterback in his eyes. You start to use stunts to where the quarterback has to come off his favorite target because there's a lot of bodies in the area. And the traffic is too tight. So I, I think that Coach Nick Howell would, would come up with different um, blitzes and, and certain down the distances. The thing about Liberty is they want to stay positive. So they, they may run the ball on first down or they use a short passing game to uh, be an extension of the running game. But they want third and manageables. They, want, they don't want to be backed up, even though they're very capable of supposed to plays. They're going to give you some type of max pro look. They're going to bring a tight end in, and then they're going to try to isolate. Same thing North Carolina did. They give you two to the boundary, one to the field, a little H-back look, a little max pro. So if you bring pressure, they can pick it up, and now you're showing that you're exposed on the back end. So it's going to be some chess match, but it's going to be up to 
our offense to really just continue to score. If you continue to score and you make Liberty one-dimensional, meaning if you just make them just go away from their running game, and we could probably do that by being successful running the football and generating points. So you can you imagine if we're running the football four and five yards a pop, eating up a lot of clock and we score, we get a time we stop and we do it again and we get up like 14-0 and first quarter's over and they happen to get like a field goal and then you score again and you take up four or five minutes of that clock in the second quarter. Because when you look at Liberty this year and they're scoring, they're more of a first half team. Their scoring has declined each quarter, 117 points in the first quarter, 112 points in the second quarter, 54 points in the, four, in the third quarter, and 45 points in the fourth. Their opponents only score 46 points in the first quarter. That means they jump on them and their opponents really don't understand what they're doing. Then in the second and third quarters, their opponents score 76. So their opponents will adjust, apply the adjustments and start to score. And while their opponents are starting to score, they start to decline. And then in the fourth quarter, their opponents have outscored them 68 to 45. So Liberty is a team that would jump out on you. And if you can sustain that first wave of energy and first wave of play calling that they had that's scripted and you respond with points yourself, that's uncharted waters for them. Now, granted, they came back on BYU and made it a great game. But BYU got up on them, I think, 17 to 7, if I'm not mistaken. But. Just breaking down scores by quarters, they've declined every quarter from the first to the fourth. So it's not how you start, it's how you finish versus Liberty. And I know folks are saying, well, Ballhawk, what about us? I can show you how we do. We score 69 points in the first quarter, 88 in the second, 69 in the third, 84 in the fourth. We end halves well. We are iffy starting off halves. So the first and third quarter, we, ah, muy poco, but we finish. So the main thing for this squad is to start fast and finish. You got to start fast versus Liberty to take away their superpowers, and then you finish them off because they haven't shown an ability to sustain a high-power scoring output for four quarters. It declines Like they start off fast And then their Mile Their their half mile splits Just go down Or their quarter mile splits If they run in the mile Their first lap is fast And then after that It just keeps going down And down and down So to score 117 points In in the first quarter And then in the fourth quarter You only score 45 That says a lot Either it shows That the offense Doesn't adjust To the defense adjustments Or It's just that what I just said There's really no or So That's all I got for y'all man Hopefully you guys Enjoyed this preview Make sure you subscribe On any platform That you're listening to Right now Definitely always Appreciate the support Go to um, The Ballhawk Show On YouTube Subscribe to the YouTube channel And as always man Make sure you support The walkthrough And get your bonus footage At AmarHawkins.com Good is the enemy of great Be great in everything That you do man It's the Ballhawk We out Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.